second. La 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 Okay. Do you know what that is? No, what was it? What song was that? It's Hilary Duff's riff in Raise Your Voice. Oh my god, stop! Where they put in the other voice. It's not Hilary Duff. Yeah, mm-hmm, all of that. I love that. that I do amazing. it anytime there's, like, a dull moment. I just go, yes. la, 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 anytime, la, yeah. la. <laughs> and, of but course, was, no one really knows what it's from until you tell them. And the worst part about the movie is that they're in, like, a performing arts school, but everyone in the class sucks at singing. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> how, how did, I did the math. It's not adding up. It's not adding up. But anyways... Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 16 of Into It. I am Sal. And I'm Lyndon. And yeah, this is our sweet 16. We have so much to talk about. It is insane. I am so giddy right now. I had like three <laughs> cups of coffee. I just heard about someone's comeuppance. And yep. you know what? We're all types of giddy after that. Yeah, we're having um, a great night. <laughs> yeah, so I guess real quick, how have you been? Mm-hmm. I've been okay. Um, you know, <laughs> had to think about it for a second. I did. I did. You know, it's been like a fine week. I think it's just because I'm still processing, discovering that I have like childhood emotional neglect and how that's affecting me in every facet Girl. of my like boy. <laughs> like that shit's it's real. Cause it's like it's one thing to realize it and have all those memories come flooding back. It's another thing to understand how much it like affects so many different parts of my life. Yeah. So like we've just been processing that, but also I've just been working a lot, which is like great because you know money. But it's mm-hmm. it's I've seen that it's kind of flowing into other like aspects of my life. My therapy therapy helped me like point this out to me where my therapist was like, Yeah, it's a trickle down effect. And I was like, How so? And she's like, Well, you can't sleep, you're so stressed that you're not eating and you barely talk to your friends. And I was like, Oof. Girl, how'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, why did you tell me this before? So uh. I think well, the past two weeks have just been kind of like low key in survival mode, just okay. trying to get through it. But we're trudging along. I'm doing yes. better now that I've realized it. I've been working through it. I've been working out. I've actually lost five of the twenty pounds I've gained since oh, quarantine. Shit. Actually, no, get it's it. Like, I heard you texting me before we recorded, and you were like, "I just got done a workout." I was like, "Okay." I know it was only get thirty it? minutes. It was a dance workout. If anybody wants hey, to do fun okay. dance workouts, highly recommend Fitness Marshall on YouTube. Love him. Okay, I'm um, going to have to check that out. I love dance workouts. It's really good. I, tr- I recommend dessert, break my heart. And actually, he has one for Boss Bitch, and it was so good. I did it for the first time today, and I had a lot of fun. A lot Fantastic. of fun while doing it. So yeah, so mm-hmm. I've been working out. But also, too, for those of you that have felt out of your body recently, if you're like me, they say that dancing is a really good way to feel like back in your body. And I've actually noticed a difference of like, I've been a lot more present after doing my dance workouts, because I feel more connected yeah. with my body. So of it's course. Been- so, yeah, I mean, I haven't been, like, the greatest, but, like, I've been getting through it, and, you know, I've been doing some healthy things, like drinking Definitely. water and dancing. Yeah, so. yes, drinking water, of course. Yes, except I got to run all the way back to New York this weekend to get my absentee ballot, because, of course, now uh, it's, yes. like, almost too late for it to be sent on time, so I'm going to, like, bring it no, back to PA absolutely with me. not. Hope yeah. everyone has a voting plan, has your shit together. Yes, and also, um, too, in your state, find out if you don't get your absentee ballot in time, find out if there is a way that you can at least still be able to, like, go to the poll and still vote on election yes. day. Yes. Because I know a lot stuff. of people in Pennsylvania whose ballots are missing. So yeah. <laughs> it's not funny, but like. <sighs> yeah, I'm not surprised, but that's a whole nother situation. Yes. 
Today we want giggles. We want laughs. Yeah. Giggles. <laughs> That's why we're here. We're here for laughs. Um, I've been good. I've been fine. I really don't have much news to uh, put out there in the world. Today was a good day. I was giddy all day. I was laughing it up all day. And we need those days. Yeah, we do. So we have so much to talk about. Speaking of childhood traumas, Ooh. we're going to be discussing that today in yes, our we book are. nook. I didn't realize how much nook. she was going to be so open. In this yep, book. I'm really yeah. excited to talk about it because she is so So open. get ready. After we're done with our hot topics and tittering tweets, we're going to be diving into Wayward Child. So get ready for that. <laughs> and it's already halfway through October and it's time for our top songs of October, which is crazy. It doesn't feel like it's halfway through October. I say this every month, but um, oof, it's flying yeah. by. So I guess I'll start with my top songs. In honor of Warm Days, Cold Nights, Late October, one of the greatest pre-chorus lines of all time, we have Mariah Carey's The Distance featuring Ty Dolla Sign. As you should. No, as, as you should. should. As Listen, you should. it was hot as fuck today. We got a warm day and it's cold right now. Cold nights, late October. But all jokes aside, this song is probably one of my favorite songs off caution. It's it so is good. just the production and her working with Skrillex on the beat for this. It's just so good. And you listen to the beginning of the song with all the synths and you don't know where it's going. And then the beat drops and you're like, what the fuck? And then you have the <laughs> hook and then she does the octave jump. And then Ty Dolla Sign's verse is just amazing. And it's just great. Put the but windows also, like, down, drive to it at night. Mix. Mariah Carey, Skrillex and Ty Dolla Sign. Like, it what? really is. That's so weird. I'm so happy she did but that. But it works so well. <laughs> it does. It really... That whole album is so good. I'm really mad that Ugh. people didn't really have that much love for I Caution. Know. I'm so mad. I know. Get the Fuck Out was incredible. A banger. A banger. Uh, on to my next song. We have... I mean, Fleetwood Mac. Witchy Vibes. Let's talk Rhiannon, about it. But mm-hmm. not just any old Rhiannon. We have the live version. The one from the 90s is the best one. I've never listened is, to it live, so I would like to hear it. Girl, you better listen to it. That is like the most mystical version. <laughs> I believe you. I'm, re- I'm a recent Fleetwood Mac fan. I'm recently discovered like white people music before well, the year of 1997. Finally, yes. Fleetwood Mac is fucking incredible. Amazing. And then we have, I don't know how to say her name, Bita Babooby. <laughs> Bia Boob- what? D- Who? Bia Badooby. Who? Be a Badoobie, I don't know. She sings that coffee sample in the one song. But she has the song Care. Do you know that song Care by her? No. It's like a very grunge pop. And it's like taking me back to like early 2000s, 90s grunge. Let's go. But it sounds so just like modern. I love it's it. It's really, really good. I like it. I like what she's doing. I liked her other song. Um, I like this girl a lot. It's very refreshing. And to see her like... At the top of the charts with these grungy type songs, I feel we haven't had music like that at the top of the charts in a while. Mm -hmm. So it's very nice to hear. I love that. So those are my top three songs. I love it. And um, yeah, what what have you got? So my three songs are actually happy in, you know, comparison with last month where it was all depression. So... So I've been listening to a lot of Khalid lately. So my first one definitely has to be Right Back by Khalid. Yes. I don't know why, but when he says, so bring it in the bridge, I'm like, I always scoot over to the side. You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's, you know what that's, that like is giving 
an homage to Still Not a Player. I forget who it's by. Oh my God, I'm blanking. Oh, I don't know that song. No? I'm learning about black culture and music from the 2000s. Also, my other podcast doesn't yeah, hold up. Like a... Right now, we're going through a stint of all like black girl groups from the 2000s, okay. and we are we just yeah, recorded still not an episode for by black. Joe. So good. Yeah, it's by Joe. It's from like the early 2000s. That's like an early 2000s bop. Still not a player. That sample's been used like so many times. Okay. But yeah, that's what that's like. He's paying homage to that I song. I love it. But just, yeah. But well, I love he needs that to song. keep doing it. I absolutely yes. love it. My next one. Okay, no, I'm going to do this one next. My next one is Holiday by Little Mix. So if you're a Little oh, Mix fan, banger. isn't it so good? So it's so good. good. And it's just so fun and cute. The music video is a little, but like the actual song it, itself okay. is so much fun. It's like the music videos. I'm sorry. It's bad, but the music okay, is good. Shame, and like but the song's good, especially too, because I am a Little Mix fan. I came in like mm. during Get Weird era, their third album, which in my opinion was their best album. And like the two albums after that kept getting worse and worse. And their last album, Little Mix 5, was like. They clearly were using a black scent in so many of their songs mm. for no reason. So it was yeah. just like, it was a no-go. And apparently their album sales like dropped. So I think they're like back to their roots, which I'm happy about. That's um, good. And then my last song is, you're going to hate me. You're going to oh, hate no. me. I'm like low-key a K-pop stan. That's okay. Specifically. I hate you. K-pops? I like. Specifically I for this one man named Wanho. I will send you a picture of him. He's possibly one of. Okay. The meatiest and beefiest people I've ever oh seen God. in my entire life. And, like, you know me. And, like, when I say meat, I mean, like, truly, how did the FDA approve all that meat to be walking I... out on the street? <laughs> like, truly. He Stop. is so attractive, but he's, like, also so sweet. And he used to be in a band, and then he had to leave because of this whole thing. And, like, now he's able mm. to have his own solo career. And then apparently because he's so, like, beefy, his, like, old management company, like, forced him to lose weight because they thought what it was, the like... Fuck? unattractive how big he was but he's like all muscle he is yeah sal sal no sal i'm sending you a video of him right now but his song yeah. open mind is so good the music video so good it's like it's really jazzy and funky and like fun so mm. it's like it's a cute song i really like it so yeah those are my go. three that is all for our October songs. Make sure to go check out our playlist. It's linked in our bio. We compile all of our favorites into that playlist. And yeah, we have so many stories coming up. We have some juicy news. I thought this week was, I literally was putting stories together, not yesterday, yesterday, but the night before. And within a day, my news feed completely changed. I had to like take out some stories because really? we have, yes, because we have some good stuff i have no idea what's going on <laughs> i know so make sure to tune in and i've i've been hearing a lot of people say that they like to clean and listen to our podcast so whip out those clorox wipes get to scrubbing get that lysol get that sponge yes. make sure there's enough soap on it get that mm -hmm. toilet brush y'all clean your toilets yes it's and time. Uh, we're gonna be right back after this <laughs> i'm annie and i'm jill and you're listening to and you're watching a podcast about all your fave kids media from the 2000s. We're two BFFs who also happen to be experts in 2000s pop culture. Every episode, we start with the 411, letting you know all the hot gossip about the stars you still know and love, and even the ones you forgot about. Want to know what the high school musical cast is doing now? We've got you covered. Want to know about all the reboots and reunions happening with the casts of your favorite childhood TV shows? We'll let you know. 
In each episode, we break down a different topic. Whether it's our favorite ships or Lindsay Lohan movies, we bring a fresh perspective to 2000s nostalgia. We even bring on guests, including real-life former child stars. If you love the golden era of kids' media as much as we do, subscribe to And You're Watching. Your one-stop shop for humor, friendship, and 2000s pop culture. Thanks Thanks for listening. And we are back. Now, as you've heard and you're watching, we love them. They have a podcast all about everything 2000s. They're talking about all your favorite childhood shows, movies, you name it. Go check them out. We love their stuff over there. It's so fun. And they know things that, like, I don't even know about, like, Hillary Duff and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) They are up to date on all that info. So go support them. We love them. And now this is the part of the episode where we're getting into it. We have all the juicy news and hot gossip. I'm so excited. I miss being messy. I know. I know. First of all, we have the Billboard Music Awards. They were postponed to last night because usually they're in May. Did you get a chance to watch? Of course not. Yeah, I know you didn't. I don't know why (laughs) I even asked. Um, I tuned in here and there. I was like on and off. Kelly Clarkson hosted the show and opened up with Pentatonix doing Higher Love by Whitney Houston. It was unbelievable. Oh, so I'm watching Kelly that Clarkson immediately. Fucking go- she fucking kills it every time. Uh, oh. People say, I've heard people try and come at her saying, oh, her voice is deteriorate- deteriorated. Where? Just because her voice has gotten a little fucking raspy doesn't mean jack shit. If that anything, it's made anything. her voice sound better. Of anything, it just means that probably her voice is getting like lower and she's turning more into an alto as most people do with yeah. age. Like what? And plus it sounds more soulful and... Exactly. And maybe that's just where her voice is comfortable at now. Yeah. Leave her alone. I love that performance. Kelly Clarkson is the one white woman I actually will like defend and fight for. She truly is. Oh, same. She might be the only one. (laughs) I fucking love her. Um, Lizzo, I forget what she won, but she gave an awesome speech just about voting and um, trying to empower everybody. I really liked her speech. She went on to say, let me tell you all something. When people try to suppress something, it's normally because that thing holds power. They're afraid of your power. There's power in who you are. There's power in your voice. So whether it's through music, protests, or your right to vote, use your power, use your voice, and refuse to be suppressed. So go off, Lizzo. Fucking pop off. I love her. Everything she has to say, I'm all about. Yeah, and also she's right. And I guess it's also because things feel bleak right now. It's like, I am a firm believer that if you keep persisting, the universe will adjust. Yes. And will make a way. So and it's all I am about manifesting it into existence. that Miss Rona runs several laps around Trump's lungs. I am manifesting it. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Listen, we're not talking about that. Miss Rona already did her due diligence. Yeah, Miss Rona's um, working hard over there. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's important that people, like, speak yes. out about what they believe in. And not even that, like, also more importantly, too. I actually recently just watched the, like, Schitt's Creek documentary of, like, the end of the series thing that they did. Did you ever oh, watch okay. it? I did not. It was, you, Sal, you have to watch it. It's so good. You would love okay. it. It's so wholesome. So, like, in the show, like, one of the big things is that, like, in the world that they've created, homophobia doesn't exist. Mm. And they talked about it, how they just, like, made the decision of, like, what if it was just, you know, a world where, like, that wasn't a thing. Like, nobody really, like, batted an eyelash when somebody, like, came out as something other than straight. Now that I think about it, yeah, you never... That's so smart. Yeah, so, like, the way that they were able to do it and envision this world of, like, you know, peace and love and, like, make it in a way that people can, like, 
actually like imagine that happening yeah. and just doing that, I think it's really beautiful. So I think, that yeah, is. speak your mind, say what you need to say, be who <laughs> you are. Speak your mind. Speak your... <laughs> no, but we love that. Speak it into way. existence. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking it into existence, it definitely helps. It, de- yes. it actually works. As somebody whose life was very bleak for a long time, speaking things into existence actually works. Bleakosity, baby. All right. Um, then we had a nice performance by John Legend. That oh. was very emotional. I watched that. Aww. He was tearing up. That was special. But Doja Cat, I think the highlight of the night was Doja Cat, who gave a killer performance. And it was all in the style of like the musical Chicago. Oh. Go watch it because she blew me away. I never realized how good of a performer this girl is, but oh my God. I'll definitely take a look. It's just Doja kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes because she, wasn't she on that like video chat with like white supremacists and stuff like three months Wait, ago? Wait, what? You didn't hear about this? No. I'm pretty sure she was like caught on like a like a gamer video chat thing with like known white supremacists. And oh, she was just like, what? yeah. Yeah, and it, like, people were able to, like, map out her outfit with, like, one of her Instagram stories, and, like, the video chat thing had only happened, like, a week prior to, like, the news coming out or something like that. Why does everything just have to be ruined? I know. Like, why? I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, but for a good reason, obviously, Doja, whatever, you, you, all your personal (laughs) bullshit aside, you had a good performance, I'll give you that. Yeah. Because then we had... Some other performers, I was just not impressed. I love Khalid, but he can never deliver live. I don't know what it is. Then he was singing his song with Kane Brown. Kane Brown was pitchy the whole time. Then we had Sia singing, and I love Sia, but her voice was nowhere near where it should be. Mm. I was just, there was a moment where I was just like, come on, people. And then we had Brandy. Okay. And I love Brandy, and it was great. Once she started singing live. What do you mean? Sis was lip syncing for the first half. I said, Brandy, why are you doing this? I don't need to see you. I mean, to be fair, she was rolling around, but I was like, I don't need you to do this. Just fucking sing. I don't need you to roll around on the ground. Yeah, no, I get it. I think there needs to be a nice balance between like singing and dancing if you want to dance on stage, because I feel like there's some celebrities like Dula Peep, for instance. She... She, like, when she first came out, she was terrible at, like, performing and dancing at the same time. But now you can see that she's figured out what dance moves she can still hold while she still is able to, like, sing and works for her. So, like, I feel like for a lot of these stars, it's just figuring out, like, what that balance is specifically Mm -hmm. for them and going from there. Yeah, I was just disappointed with those. Alicia Keys had a great performance. Apparently, she came out with a new album. I should go listen to that. I haven't listened to it yet either, but I actually really wanted to listen to that. She's yeah. never disappointed me when it comes to music. She's not what? She's never disappointed me when it, co- when it comes oh to music. Oh my God, never. 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 Oh, no one still slaps. Oh, oh yeah. That song but then is so even, good. Um, this Girl's on Fire, that whole album. That was a great one. So good. And then your boy Harry won last night. He did. Did you hear about that? No. He did. What did he win? So, <laughs> good what job. Did he win? Good job, Directioners. I think it was like the Chart Achievement Award. Which he, he up against like to Mariah have. and Literally, Taylor Swift. Literally, like, falling is at number two right now. Watermelon Sugar was number one for like the longest time. Yeah. Until WAP came around. 
And then like his album came out literally a year ago, I think five days ago, Lights Up came out, which was his first single of the album. And the album came out in December. And he's been in the charts ever since. Mm. Of course he deserves that award. Yeah, like, are you obviously. serious? But um, yeah, that was it for the Billboard Music Awards. It was nice. I tuned in and out a little bit. So yeah, moving on to our next story. But before that, you missed a spot. Scrub that spot again. Um, we have <laughs> this story with poor Billie Eilish. I fucking feel for this girl Wait, so much. Wait, is it, is it the disgusting men on the internet again? Yes. Well, okay. So let me, let me ask this, this girl, can I, I just preface? I need people to just like understand. I need people to understand. Like I need them to understand that when you're watching most, you know, TV shows and even porn, that the people that they're choosing are so selective that most people are not going to look like that. Like, is, that's the whole point of, like, yeah. things like that is that they're not everyday life. It's literally a fantasy. So and most people do not look like that. Just to fill you in, photos of this 18-year-old girl. 18. She's a child surfaced online of her just like walking down the street with her hair in a bun she had on a tank top what looked like to be sweats and like slides and she's a little curvy that's okay everyone's body is different yeah and people were going off in the comments coming out after her saying that she looks you know ginormous and all this shit and I just don't get it. I mean, this poor girl ha- has literally shielded her body off from everybody from for literally a few years now yeah. because she doesn't want that to be the focus of her career or her image. She wants it to be her music. That's why she's worn baggy clothes all the time. Yeah, so and even if I, she I, had I understand. Like a society's perspective of like an amazing body... She still has the right to wear crew necks and sweatpants all the yes. time if that's what she wants and if that's what she's most comfortable in. Like, I don't understand people being like, she shouldn't be wearing that. It's like, well, you're not her. Well, she's walking down the street, like, in her own private moment. Yeah. Like, like she's minding This her is some paparazzi shot out of the blue. Like, leave her the fuck alone. That's one thing I hate about America is, like, paparazzi as an entity. Mm-hmm. And, like the way that their whole thing for a lot of them is to get ugly pictures of celebrities and stuff so that they can plaster them on like different magazines and stuff. And like learning that France actually makes like being a paparazzi, like an illegal or like taking pictures of somebody and posting it without their consent is like illegal, like Mm -hmm. illegal. So like paparazzi essentially doesn't exist except for things like premieres and stuff like that, where like they call them in to like do that. So it's like, I just don't understand like, and she's also 18. She's 18. They literally had a countdown until she turned 18, a.k.a. she was legal. Ugh. Men disgust me to this day. Yeah, it's fucking fucked up. To and luckily, a lot of people are coming to her aid and, like, are defending her. I think it was only a select few who were really, like, ripping her to shreds. And then everyone was like, hold up. Like, yeah. enough. Bottom line, this girl's 18 years old. Okay. And honestly, too, like, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of proud that as a society, we've progressed past that, like, attacking people for their yes. body. And now, like, clearly you can tell, like, with the new generation, especially There's on the internet. Shift. It's like, there is definitely a shift, which I'm happy about. For sure. S- slowly but surely, there's a shift. <laughs> I don't know, but that just upset me. Sh- shout out to her. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, uh, bellyache slaps. Ocean eyes. Her voice is gorgeous. Like she I can't scares say me, I but her really voice care is for gorgeous. her music. But I mean, I I respect her as a person and as a singer. I think she's doing her thing. She's very successful, so she's obviously yeah. doing something right. But um, yeah. Mind your own business. Literally, mind your own business. It's not that hard. But what are we to say? We're like in everyone's business. We this podcast is. <laughs> Anyways, that's the um, whole purpose of this. Well, <laughs> yikes. Okay, Ooh, so big you know a lot about this. I am not really. I do not know a lot of information about this whole incident. Okay, but Tory Lanez has been charged in the Megan The Stallion shooting. Did you hear about yes, that? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. I heard that they were going to press charges. I didn't know. That so he was the actually charges charged. filed by the Los Angeles County District Attorney include. Okay. Assault with a semi-automatic firearm, personal mm-hmm. use of a firearm, mm-hmm. and carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. In addition, he faces a gun allegation and a charge that he personally inflicted great bodily harm. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. To prison! So, basically, didn't he shoot her in the foot? Weren't they having a fight? And So, he... I don't know exactly all the bits and pieces of the story, but according to Megan... He did shoot her, but when the police came, she lied about who it was because, you know, police, he's a black man in America. Yeah. She still, even after getting shot by this person, protected him in that sense. hmm So that's why, like, initially they're, like, the charges were dropped and stuff like that, but he just kept speaking out about it, but, like, saying, like, incorrect things about the situation. So she, like, went on Instagram Live and, like, told her story, and it's just... The fact that even after getting shot, she as a black woman decided to protect this black man and just like... That just says everything. It says everything. And the fact that she even felt the need to go on Instagram live to have to like tell her side of the story too, because mm -hmm. of the way that he was handling it is just, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Megan has gone through so much, especially in the past like two years alone. Like she's gone through so much and now like with this trial and everything, like this is going to be another thing for her to process, but... I know. Um, apparently, if convicted, he faces as much as 22 years in state prison. Wow. So this is serious. Yeah, this is... I mean, he shot, like, she actually He literally had, like, shot a her wound. in the foot. Yeah. And I remember being on Twitter, and people were joking about it, and I was like, what the fuck? This is, like, kind of really scary. This is yeah. legit. Like, this isn't some... Oof. Yeah, I was well, really hopefully justice I is served. I mean, I... If this is the case, I feel for her. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And plus, isn't it? I mean, didn't she take pictures of the wounds? I don't know if she took pictures. I, I have, like, a trigger warning thing setting, like, for my Twitter. That's so fair. I don't really see That's stuff fair. like that. Um, yeah, I whatever that may be, hopefully justice is served. And thoughts are with Megan. I just shit. hope she finally... 24 has, years like, old processing she's all this. She's so young. Yeah. She's so young, and she's gone through so much of the past two years. That's why every time Megan, like, releases anything, I'm like, full support. I'm buying it, streaming it. It doesn't matter. I'm yeah. doing it. Period. <laughs> All right, moving on. This next story, I, like, tack stories I find throughout the week to, like, put on the podcast. I'll hear something, and I'll be like, oh, I need to remember this. Mm-hmm. And this one, I almost forgot about, and I'm so glad I remembered it because I'm so ready Mm-hmm. To drag the fuck out of this person. <gasps> Who is it? So, Morgan Wallen. Who is that? Who apparently was on The Voice. I don't know if he won The Voice or American Idol, one of those shows. And now he's this big country singer. Okay. Already off to a bad start. 
Yeah, was nixed by SNL for his appearance this past weekend after he violated the COVID-19 safety protocols. Oh, Lord. So, apparently, earlier in the week last week, he was seen at an Alabama football game and then was caught on TikTok over at some sorority house, allegedly. What? And then at some bar, kissing all these young girls and making uh, out and gallivanting around when we have a freaking pandemic going on. I like how the best part about it isn't even the fact that he was at, like, a sor- I mean, how old is he? This man's 27 with a child. Okay, so it's not even the fact that he was, like, gallivanting with clearly much younger girls than him. Being a star, which is a whole thing in and of itself. That's a whole thing in it's itself. The fact that but there is another layer that when there is a fucking global pandemic going on. There's a global. Yeah, it's a no for me, Chief. He deserved oh, it. My oh my well. god, he fucking deserved it. <laughs> he deserved and it. he came out and made this apology video, and he said, "I respect the show's decision because I know that I put them in jeopardy, and I take ownership for this." But my question is, mm-hmm. did this man really think? I mean, I don't know if he told SNL at one point. Did he really think that he was going to go to all these bars and out to all these parties? And let's say that video never surfaced on the internet, that he was going to step foot into that studio and put all those people's lives at risk. Yeah, he did. He did. Like, that's where it upsets me. Like, are you fucking for real? No, people are And it's not like you just went out to dinner. You're fucking making out with girls left and right. You're going all over the place to a fucking football game, which I don't even understand how these things are going on. Yeah, I I literally, listen, I went out to dinner for the first time last week Mm -hmm. in since this entire thing fucking started. And even then I was like, all right, I don't need this. I yeah. I don't know how I feel about this. And people are out of, like, what? That's the thing. When I was back in New York, my friend was like, oh, do you want to, like, go eat outside at this restaurant? And I looked at the restaurant and there was nobody there. But even so, I was like, no. We can, like, order takeout or we yeah. can, like, warm up a pizza and, like, sit on your roof. Like, I still and was like. And even now I'm like, okay, maybe I'll take a baby steps baby step how many months later but this fuckwad <laughs> was like i'm gonna go to the bars and make out with like 19 year old fucking i'm literally girls. gonna stick my tongue down like minors throats and then like go oh, sing at snl my God. and Mask. then insult <laughs> sn i mean this was so st- if i was his management i would be so fucking pissed oh, I would because he's immediately. apparently he's just up and coming and snl is an incredibly great platform to get on i mean that opens your audience like yeah. nobody's business so many people have gotten their start performing on snl he really fucked up and i mean i guess he's sorry he should be sorry because he's putting so many lives at risk and i'm so glad snl put their fucking foot down because this is bullshit yeah it's just like a mess like i've been talking with some people that like live in like london and stuff they're like yeah like london might go back into lockdowns dude and i've just been they're like what about the u.s and i'm like nope nope unless we get a different president (sighs) than what we have now there is no shot in hell and now with flu that we're going back up, into a lockdown please. like we did before. I'm just not surprised because we have a lot of people that think this thing isn't real. And all these kids at University of Alabama fucking taking shots and kissing and mingling around like nothing's going on. It's gross. I think it's it sucks because because of like the rate that people are just doing whatever they want. Like it's going to yeah. affect every single person in some way. I just saw an article that Chris Christie 
who's been in the ICU Don't for seven days, is like Don't. begging people to wear a mask because now he oh finally realizes how serious this is. Now he's fucking quaking in his boots. Exactly. Good That's the thing. People riddance. don't realize how bad it is until they directly are yeah. affected by it. And Get if you keep fuck out of up it. with this behavior, unfortunately, you're going to find out. I'm interested to see if the University of Alabama releases a statement because I want to know what the fuck's going on there. Is, oh, has Temple this soror- already messed has up. Has this sorority been shut down? I have no idea. You know, are these students being punished? Who knows? Who knows? Who fucking knows? Probably not. But the way that Temple went back to school and after two weeks immediately was like, "Yeah, kids, oh, you yeah. gotta go home." <laughs> yeah, we knew what the fuck was gonna happen. They knew. That's are another disgusting stupid? thing about this whole thing. It's just showing how much people care more about money than money. human lives. Yep. And it's like cool. So we just need to like overthrow it all. Cool. Cool. cool yeah, cool, cool. but that was really fucking stupid, Morgan Wallen. And I get it. You're a new celebrity, and you're in the high life and you're doing all these things but we have a fucking global pandemic going on and but you're also, if 27 you're gonna be on SML, years old do you want to be like rehearsing or like meditating like the week before and not sticking your tongue down people's throats Pro- obviously not i can't Men whatever i'm so done good thing day. i don't stand this man uh whoever stands artists like this you're fucked up get yeah. out of here I can't. Uh, we have more important things to worry about. We have a fucking global pandemic going on. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't wait to just drag him to filth because that really <laughs> pissed me off. Get out of here. And also, it's creepy that you're fucking sticking your tongue down 19-year-old girls' throats because you know they're not fucking 21. They got into that bar with a fucking fake ID. Get the fuck out of here. They did. They're fucking platinum blonde hair looking like a fucking Oompa Loompa with their orange skin. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this last story, this was in the stories of the stories that I didn't care about and then I had to take out. But this one I felt, this one made me laugh. Okay. So we were talking about how Demi Lovato had that breakup with her ex-fiance, whatever. Oh my God, this photo resurfaced. Did you see this photo? Yes, of him like sitting on the beach, like yes! where he like proposed or something. Yes. What is what I is going know. on with this? Truly, I think he just wants his 15 minutes of fame, and I'm going to give it to him. Apparently, he has a song that's coming out about the he's engagement this week, but he's not a singer. He was oh. a soap star, and he's just coming out with music. So, listen, get your collect your coin, do what you got to do. I just, I can't. Are we going to listen to the song? Sense. Are we? Should we? What was that? Are we going to listen to the song? Should we? We should. I think we should. Everyone listen to the song and report back next week. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> do you have anything you want to add about that nonsense? Um, no, it's just like, I don't, like, like it's just so confusing. Like, it's like, I can't tell if it's staged or if it's actually real. Oh God, and I, I think, think it's, it's so actually staged. real. And that makes me feel worse. Because I'm like, <laughs> you're doing this in public? I don't know. What? I just... I don't know, because sometimes I'm like, if I was a celebrity, would I act out this way? And sometimes I'm like, absolutely. And then other times I'm like, <laughs> no. Yes. No, you want the clout like <laughs> Tiffany Pollard. That's the thing. If I was ever famous, I'd want to be like Pollard. Tiffany. I always call her Tiffany Pollard. I don't know why. It I don't know why. Yet. I mean, either Tiffany, Tiffany New York or Tiffany Pollard or however you pronounce her Pollard. last name. Either way. Know. Either way, I'd want to be like both of them. Yeah. But um, that's oh. it for the Hot Topics. Hopefully you enjoyed. That was so much fun. That was fun. That was um, I got a nice little high from that. And um, yeah, we'll be back after this with the uh, tittering tweets. Hey, everybody. It's Sal. As I'm sure you already know, this year's election cycle is extremely important. 
And there are a lot of people out there that are trying to make sure that you can't vote. With that said, it's very important to make sure that you have a voting plan. This video isn't sponsored, but we feel that it's important to make sure that everyone is able to be civically engaged. And if we can provide you with some resources that will help you out, we are more than happy to do so. That being said, there's a website called BallotReady.org. This website will give you a nonpartisan guide to the candidates in your area. After all, we're not just voting for the president. There are a plethora of other resources on that website to help you make your plan to vote. Your vote matters. And politics start locally. Also, if you happen to live in Pennsylvania and you're planning to vote by mail, please listen. Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that officials can reject so-called naked ballots that are received without the secrecy envelope. So make sure to fill out your ballot, place the ballot in a secrecy envelope, and place that secrecy envelope in the mailing envelope. And make sure to sign the declaration or your vote may not count. And remember, your ballot must be postmarked by November 3rd. Whether you plan to vote in person or by mail, make sure you're familiar with the voting requirements in your area. Get registered to vote and have a plan. Our lives depend on it, guys. We're going to get back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tittering Tweets. I'm not going to lie. I forgot to find a tweet, so I just found this one. Um, it's haunted me ever since I've seen it a couple days ago. And mm -hmm. I can't wait to share, like, the curse that it is to have oh, read forever. it or heard this tweet. It's by at Normal Size Naomi. And they said, found out today that some boys use their ball skin in the shower to collect water like a cup. Is this true? What the fuck? <laughs> is this true? I have never partaken in that. I don't know what the fuck that is. Okay, because I I sent it to my friend and he was like, yes, and like didn't elaborate and I didn't want to like press. <laughs> if you could see my face right now, I am just like, I feel in so violated. I, yeah. Haunted. I've never done that. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to know. And um, we're gonna leave it on that. Yeah. I. Uh, in other news, this isn't a tittering tweet, but I'm just gonna say I was telling you about this earlier. At work today, I had a black lady that called me baby twice and uh, sweetie once, and this was all in one little interaction. And immediately. I felt like I was transported to heaven and um, being hugged by Jesus Christ himself. Every time a black woman calls me baby or sweetie, I'm instantly transported to heaven. Yeah. And every time a white woman says it, I feel violated. Extremely violated. Extremely. I just wish white women There's would just, no like, greater feeling. Stop talking to me. You know, I just... <laughs> <laughs> stop. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, like, what it's like to be straight and white. <sighs> Like, I truly don't understand what it's like to live like that. What's it like just being, like, straight? Like the owl said in that fucking uh, Tootsie Pop commercial, the world Not may Toots never know. <laughs> Not Tootsie. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. The world may never know. And on that note, that is all for a typical <laughs> gallivanting around. Gallivanting, I keep saying that word because I, I just, love it. it. Just 
I got like a flies off the tongue so image easily. of like a knight riding on a horse when you said gallivanting. I love that. I love that for you. So now's the time to get into our book nook. So drop the Clorox wipes, drop that dust buster. Get your copy. Get out, out your book. Get out your annotated notes because mm-hmm. I have like six pages of notes here. I'm not even kidding. Okay, we have to we can't go through the whole first part though. I'm only halfway through the first part. Okay. So I okay. just stopped after her first like encounter of racism where she did the show and her dad came and they never asked her to do like that oh, fifth huddle. grade show again. Okay. 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 So that's just where We're I We're gonna be back after this. And we are back. Welcome to our book nook. I don't know what we should. Should we call our listeners of the book nook nookies? No. no. <laughs> I don't know. We need to find a cute name. Is that I a love... synonym for sex? To nookie? <laughs> I've never heard of that. You've never. Maybe I just made that up. We'll figure maybe, it out. We'll figure it did. out. We'll maybe figure it's it out. A thing. Who knows? But um, welcome to the book club. Even if you haven't read the book, it's okay. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Um. First of all, I just want to talk about the Mariah news that we've had. We've had an unbelievable press tour. It's just been so fun to see her on all these shows, talking about the book with her hair blowing in the wind on Skype. (laughs) And big news, which is like so exciting for me. So she posted this picture. If you don't know, she's doing a Christmas special on Apple TV. Yes, she is. And they're filming it now. And she posted this picture with these three director's chairs. I sent it to you. In the center, the one said MC. On the right hand of the father was JH. And on the left was AG. So, I mean, I already, Ariana Grande and Jennifer Hudson. I mean, who else could it be? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I am so excited. My mouth just went dry. My brain I is I cannot now empty. fucking wait. And oh. I've always wanted her and Ariana to collab. I just wanted that to happen, just to happen and end all the bullshit. So I'm glad that that's finally happening. And I just hope that Ariana's respectful and does what she needs to do. Yeah. Politely. I am and very excited for this. I am too. I am too. But just wanted to fill everyone in on that. Let's get into this memoir. This oh is, my goodness. Can I just say, yes. I was expecting her to hide a bit more, but just, I mean, obviously she wrote it with somebody else, with Michael Angela Davis, based off the Michaela cover. Michaela Angela like, Davis, yes. She is so open. Yes. And so honest. Like, you can tell that she is really taken the time to understand the situations that she's Mm -hmm. been in and understand where the people that were in the situations as well like where they were in their life at the time like she's really sat with this and i think that's that self-awareness in and of itself is something that you don't really get to see let alone doesn't really come out what like in things like this when it's written down and i think you can agree in that This isn't your typical celebrity tell-all book. This is more about just the human spirit and coming out of one's trauma. Like, all celebrity aside, just her as a woman and a human being. I don't know if you can attest to that. That's what I've noticed. But I feel like from you, coming from a viewpoint where you're not like a diehard fan, but you're a fan. But at the same time, reading this and being like, wow, this isn't just typical, you know 
Yeah, it's like she's not writing it to be messy. She's not writing it to clear the air about anything. She's literally just telling her story from her yes. perspective. And like now reading it, it makes so much more sense why she hasn't, you know, jumped to like give a statement whenever like anything's happened. Mm-hmm. Like she's always been like very meticulous in terms of like what's going to be put out, how it's going to be put out. And I think that's also kind of beautiful in the sense of like, the agency that she's had over herself to be like, no, I will not be talking Definitely. about this. You know what I mean? All right. So first of all, I just want to start with the dedication because I think this was very powerful in and of itself. So I'm just going to read it really quickly. It says, to my legacy, my children, rock and roll, you are the physical embodiment of unconditional love. To my lineage, mm-hmm. my ancestors, all of them, you have come from two different worlds that were often in struggle with each other. Yet the best of you lives on inside of me, finally, harmoniously. And to Pat, my mother, who through it all, I do believe, actually did the best she could. I will love you the best I can, always. So first off, we have her talking about her children, and we'll come to find out, you know, she feels as though her children are the first people in her life to give her unconditional love. Um, Wow. And we come to see that as the story progresses, we'll come to see that. I mm. thought what she said about her lineage, her ancestors was pretty powerful. You know, she's biracial, coming from two separate worlds. And again, even with that, she's really sat with mm-hmm. that and did the research of that and understood like what that means for her and the experiences that she's yes. had. And then finally, we have her mother. And I'll just preface with the lambs have seen her mother on occasion and we've always assumed that she has been an extremely supportive parent has always been Mm -hmm. there for her but as we come to find out there we will find out there's a lot of trauma associated with her but at the same time you know she recognizes okay you've done the best that you could i'd like to believe that you did the best that you could even though it wasn't the best for what i needed in that moment, yeah. I recognize that you did the best with what you had, but there's still some trauma that we need to discuss and recognize. We can't just let sit by the wayside, you know? And I think that's such an important message to share, especially too, because I'm going through something similar like that with particularly like my mom, mm-hmm. where I knew I always had like daddy issues. I mean, like who doesn't? Most <laughs> yeah. people do at this rate. Um but, like, in terms of the emotional neglect, I understand that she was so busy growing up as children, as an immigrant, yeah. as a wife, a mother, somebody working full-time and going to school full-time. Like, she had so much on her plate. But, mm-hmm. like I said before earlier, like, it still had such an effect on me that, like, we were eventually going to need to talk about it. I think right now I'm just trying to at least, like, sit with it and understand it. But, like, I don't blame her for it because she did the best that she could. Definitely. But that aspect of being, like, she did the best that she could, but it still wasn't good enough, but we still need to work on it. I think that's something that so many people aren't willing to like take that extra mm-hmm. step to work towards because it's so much easier just to brush things under the rug and like or even hope address that it eventually because goes there away. are parents. We're told, you know, respect your elders and it's like I can respect you, but we need to acknowledge that there's some fucked up shit that went on that is still affecting me to this day and that's not okay. Yeah, it's okay to acknowledge that your parents did the best that they could, but it was still inadequate. So moving forward into the intention, she just basically discusses how this isn't going to be your typical celebrity tell-all book. You know, she's had interviews. We've seen her for 10 minutes talk about whatever project she's working on in the moment. 
but no one's really had an she's never been able to tell her side of the story the way she wants to tell it and now she's taking that moment and the whole point of this book is to set free her inner child that she likes to say over and over Mm -hmm. she we hear this you know letting her inner child free letting her that little mariah tell her side and I was going back to this because reading this book, we were talking about the whole billionaire relationship and Stella and all that nonsense that happened in recent years. And Mariah Mm -hmm. came out with a statement recently because people were asking about it. And she said, if there's a relationship that wasn't mentioned in the book, it didn't exist. I mean, in her shady way. But going back to the intention, it makes sense because those, those relationships weren't worth, that did not have an effect on her inner child. You know, they weren't really valuable relationships. And now that I'm thinking about it more at, at the time, I was like, I want to know like all the juicy scoop. But at the same time, I'm like, that doesn't matter. You know, all these people that were in her life, Stella and that nonsense that she tried to pull ruining her career or trying to sabotage her career. That doesn't matter that, that we don't need to know about that. If she even wrote about her in the book, you know, she'd be releasing some, you know, statement to page six, trying to pull out some skeletons of God knows what, something that she conjured up. So, yeah. And that's also similar. It wasn't the same exact thing with Meghan Markle too. And like her whole like white side of the family came out of the woodwork and it's like, she never talks to us. And she's like, because you never talked exactly. to me. Like, we never had a relationship yeah. before. Like, what are you talking about? So she's so taking this time. It. She says, she has made herself known through my songs. Her yearning heard over the airwaves or seen on screens. Millions of people know of her, but have never known her. I have seen, I have been scared, I have been scarred, and I have survived. Yeah. Then this is the most... This is what stood out to me the most, and I found to be so powerful. This book is a testimony to the resilience of the silenced little girls and boys everywhere. This is the part that gets me. To insist that we believe them. To honor their experiences and to tell their stories to set them free. To insist that we believe them. I think that's so important. You know, when people have trauma, they're confronted right away with doubt and they're told they're gaslit. They're told that never happened. But no matter what the scenario is, people are feeling a certain way for a reason. We need to be recognized. We need to be valued. Our emotions need to be cared for. And I think that is most important. I just found that to be so moving, that statement. Oh, absolutely. You literally took the words out of my mouth. It's just that emphasis is so important because I think even though kids are a big focal point for a lot of people's lives and a big like benchmark for a lot of people's Mm -hmm. lives, a lot of people personally, I feel utilize kids as more like accessories versus this is a real person that I'm actually trying to raise. Yes. And like there are people that you can tell like, oh, like they're a parent. And then there's people that are like, you know, they're taking the time to really invest in their kids. And I think that emphasis of like children are vulnerable and they need love. They need support. They've probably seen some things they are probably scared and have no idea what to do. And you can even see that through like, especially the story with um her like family fighting and her mom and her brother, yes. that big fight that happened in the story. Like 
that is traumatic. And the way that the cops were just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, so moving on to this, this I I wanted to talk about this. So we have this scene of her brother, and she describes her brother, his emotions like weather. She never knew what was coming. And there was, in this scene, her brother literally knocks her mother unconscious. And I think Mm -hmm. at the time, Mariah's like three years old, maybe six. Yeah, she's so young. So young. Mariah has to end up calling neighbors, who the neighbors end up calling the cops. Mind you, we see a theme of cops throughout this book, and it's very interesting because, you know, she even mentioned recently in an interview with Trevor Noah, this book was locked down Memorial Day. So before every, like, it's not like she's writing this just now because of the moment. Like, and she even said, she goes, you know, this shit's been going on for years. It's about time we finally Mm -hmm. acknowledged it. So we see this theme of people instantly calling the cops for a black family, you know? But Mm -hmm. we have this quote I just want to read. It says, one of the cops looking down at me, but speaking to another cop beside him said, if this kid makes it, it'll be a miracle. And that night, I became less of a kid and more of a miracle. I mean, we have this notion in society, you know, the cop probably meant it like, oh, we're going to see her in jail in 10 years. She's just going to be a cycle of this behavior of people in these rundown communities beating the shit out of each other. Exactly. But it's just like the way that they looked at her as more of an object than a person. Mm -hmm. Shows a lot. Yeah. It shows a lot. And I think it also just shows how, especially the policing system currently, mm-hmm. is not set up to help people. It's more to, for obvious reasons, like police people. Yep. And I know personally people that have recently called the police for different, like, similar situations of, like, family domestic abuse. And, like, my one friend that it happened to them, they literally handed them a pamphlet on domestic abuse after they, like, handcuffed their family member and they literally were like what the fuck am i supposed to do exactly like this doesn't help me in any way shape or form that whole scene just broke my heart because she was so young and i think that's something that's super important too to know about black families and young black mixed you know people of color children is that our innocence is stripped away so quickly and you can tell throughout the book that it just progressively keeps getting stripped mm-hmm. away with every passing year with every passing event yes because of things of like that like white people in your neighborhood and have done to you speaking directly. of this i want to talk about alfred roy carey mariah's father i just want to give some backstory on this because we see this mm-hmm. we see this trickle down effect into the children's lives how race from their parents the trauma that they have has played a part in their own lives now, Alfred Roy Carey, right away, she tells us, you know, he served in the military. Mm-hmm. And we have this notion that, you know, he served his country, but his country didn't serve him. They basically said, fuck you. And that's a common theme I've yep. seen for a lot of black people. So and while he was enlisted, we have this scenario play out of a white woman um, who was at the base just said that she was raped and that a black man didn't. Didn't Mm -hmm. point any fingers, nothing. And Mariah says, on no evidence other than his not being white, my father was accused of the crime and placed in a jail on the base. And he was given a supervisor, and Mariah compares that to, you know, much like assigning a black overseer on a plantation. Yeah. Then we have this scene of him finally being freed out of the jail, going up on the mountain, and Mariah leaves it open and says... 
he had a gun that was loaded, but he wasn't going to be killing himself. So who knows what that meant? But the psychological trauma that that had to have on him, someone who served his country and was doing what he was told, but Mm -hmm. at the same time being conflicted with that and being told that you're, you know, garbage on the mere color of your skin and accused of crime on, a, on the color of your skin. Not and I think that's something actions. that a lot of white people don't understand is that even if a black person does everything correctly in the book, this system that we have is literally set up for black people to fail. Yeah. And that is where the outrage stems from initially on top of all of the other, you know, trauma and just ridiculous things that's in place right now. And that's Mm. something that I feel like a lot of people need to understand is that as a black person, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, you know, how neat you are, how you act all the time. It's like something's going to happen to you and it's not going to be fair and it's not going to be your fault. And that is why people are angry because it doesn't matter what you do. And even if you were like not so squeaky clean, your humanness should not be stripped away from you solely based off of the color of your skin. Exactly. So, so yeah, I think this experience really took a toll on him. I mean, we come to see that he's very, very clean cut. You know, he's yeah, very like strict with the kids. Yeah, like everything has its own place, it seemed. Yes, everything had its own place. He was very organized and had high expectations for his kids. I mean, we had this part where Mariah, you know, debuted and she won two Grammys and he's comparing her to Quincy Jones. Like, okay, you have two Grammys. Yeah. But Quincy Jones won seven. Like, and what that's are you another doing? thing, too, because, like, as someone with African parents, yeah. that part hit. <laughs> <laughs> it really hit because it's, it's that other notion that I think a lot of my friends, too, are going through, especially, like, because a lot of my friends are, you know, children of immigrants and stuff like that. Mm. And that's a very prevalent theme in the immigrant community in general. Yes. And, like, breaking away of that notion that you always need to, like, be as good as somebody else and like mm-hmm. needing to at least within yourself be like I am enough or like this what I have done is a win so it is okay if I sit and celebrate this win even if I only got two Grammys and this person that's been in the business for <laughs> fucking God Quincy knows how Jones. long got seven in the same award <laughs> like I still got two Grammys for my first album yes like come on yeah um But then we also have great moments with Alfred and Mariah. You know, she had her Sundays with him. He would make his linguine with white clam sauce, which was foiled by her grandmother, Addie, with the Parmesan cheese. I thought it was her aunt, not her grandmother. (laughs) No, that was her grandmother. Mm. That's Alfred's mother. But then they had their Sundays and... And they she didn't have really Sundays. reminisces and we'll come to see with her relationship with her mother how this mm-hmm. is a huge contrast from the help because she's with her mom you know six days a week but she yeah. had these sundays where she had a routine her mother was described as being a free spirit very bohemian you know mariah didn't have a routine she didn't feel safe living with her mother but her father provided her with that mm-hmm. and then we would also have these cute moments of like the ritz cracker like she yeah. was not allowed to snack. She was only allowed to have one Ritz cracker before dinner, and that was it. Yeah. And I think also that duality of, like, this relationship isn't the best, but you still have good moments of it. Yes. That is something that I feel like not enough people talk mm-hmm. about, particularly mm-hmm. when it comes to parental relationships where you're like, there is a lot of pain and hurt in this, but I still want to have it because there mm-hmm. still are, like, good times. Or even, like, maybe needing to be, like, 
even though there are good times in this relationship, I need to step away from it because the bad times are, like, too bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, I really like how she exhibits that, like, yeah, me and my mom, like, weren't best friends. Yeah. But we still have a strong relationship to this day, even though, like you, we were talking about before, like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. Yes. And going back to her brother, now that we're talking about the father, we have this fight when Mariah's three between yeah. Alfred and Morgan. Mm -hmm. And she says, I'm going to read, by the time I was a toddler, I had developed the instincts to sense when violence was coming. That stood out to me. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. By the time you were a toddler, you could sense when abuse was just around the corner. And she goes on to say, the misunderstanding and emotional distance with our father was my brother's perpetual and crushing agony, and it resulted in his absolute rage. Yeah. So we have this huge fight between Alfred and Morgan, and at the time, Mariah's Nana Reese pulls her aside, and we have this moment of her putting her hand, laying her hands on Mariah, telling her everything's going to be okay, she's going to get through this, and... We see, we'll start to see this theme of figures outside of her immediate family who see Mariah, who see her into her soul and say, will say things or not even say a word and just look at her. And she finally feels seen. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because she had, she's not able to get that through her family members. Yeah. That is, am I Mariah? Like, it's just. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, I think that's something I've been grappling with now in terms of like accepting the fact that personally, if I'm going through a really difficult time, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call any of my immediate family members. Yeah. And I think coming to terms with that and having it be so, it's almost heartbreaking in the sense because like that is like the unit that you should have. But at the mm -hmm. same time, coming to terms with, like, it's okay if you don't have that, you yes. know? And it's okay if maybe you don't have that now, and then if you plan on having children later, you're like, this is what I'm going to build for them since I didn't have that. Exactly. It's that whole item of, like, breaking that cycle that I think is the most important part of anybody's journey. And also we have this whole idea of mental health. I mean, this is the 70s. No one's taught mental health isn't even a word. Literally doesn't know? exist. <laughs> and her, her brother Morgan, definitely we know that he had a learning disability and he was ostracized for that. Um, and I guess his frustration just led of having this disability led to his severe anger management issues and as well as just being a biracial man. Yeah. Um, so seeing mental health and seeing how this man who was possibly on the spectrum undiagnosed um, and how he's coping with it during this time and how it affects um, the whole family unit is something in and of itself. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on going into this theme of people who see her outside of her family, mm -hmm. we have this chapter called existence. You know, Mariah Carey says it over and over again, I felt unworthy of even existing. Like, for someone to feel that, like, unworthy of just living is gut-wrenching. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. It I mean, sucks. Yeah. It sucks, because you're like, what's the point? 
Exactly. And we have this moment where she's a kid and she's walking down the street with her girlfriend, Maureen. And mind you, she says she was one of the few little white girls in the neighborhood who was allowed to play with me. Allowed so to play Just with to her. set the scene of, and mind you, Mariah Carey, she talks about moving around 13 times, new neighborhoods, yeah. new shabby structures that she's living in with her mother. Her mother, there was severe neglect, which we'll get into a theme of that. You know, she was often left alone with her siblings and her siblings were much older than her mm-hmm. and they were doing God knows what. She was exposed to so many, but we'll get into that. But going back to her little moment with her friend Maureen, she goes, as we walked, I began to sing something. Maureen stopped suddenly, frozen in, in place on the sidewalk. She listened for a moment in silence, standing very still. Finally, she turned to me and said in a clear and steady voice, when you sing, it sounds like there are instruments with you. There's music all around your voice. She said it like a proclamation, almost like a prayer. They say God speaks through people, and I will always be grateful for my little girlfriend speaking into my heart that day. All I needed was someone to see and hear me. I got chills reading that. I got a little choked up. Honestly, that's the part that I almost started crying at. It's just that notion of being seed. And that's another thing, too, with... I know for me, whenever I think of a compliment for people, I always try as much as I can to give them that compliment because you never know how much of an effect just some few kind words can have on somebody's Mm -hmm. life. And who knows? This was such a pivotal moment for little Mariah. Who knows if she would have gone into singing? I mean, her mother was an opera singer. She was surrounded by music. But this really gave her the confidence. Knowing that her dad wasn't supportive of it too. Like if it wasn't for those other people outside of her circle, like encouraging her and validating her, like, what would have happened? And also, it just makes me laugh to think about just because, like, her being Mariah Carey, like, this little girl was like, hold the fuck up. Like, what the fuck did I just hear? Literally. Like, what? <laughs> that girl said, um, <laughs> y'all hear that? Like, the fuck? That is insane. That just makes me laugh. And we have moments like that where Mariah is singing and people are like, hold the fucking phone. Like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck is going on? And that just goes to show, I believe her voice is a gift from God. And she even says here, they say God speaks through people, and I will always be grateful for that. And I truly believe that. And we have these moments where God is speaking through these people to Mariah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That moment in and of itself, yeah. What were you going to say? Sorry. No, 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 no. I completely agree. And I think it's... Like, it's, like, I'm just trying to think of how many things had to line up in such a specific order for Mariah to have been able to become as big as she is now. Yeah. Like, so many different, like, random, like, periods of grace, whether it be a compliment or, you know, somebody just helping her, giving her a or platform in some way. Or just people being in the same room together at a certain instance, yeah. as we'll come to find out later on. Like, there Mariah's such a gift. There are holier-than-thou moments that happen, things that aren't just coincidence you know what i'm saying like yeah it's crazy to think about like she was meant to be where she's at for a reason and i think that it's not just a celebrity that experiences that we all have those moments in our own lives you know everything happens for a reason exactly that's why i'm i'm team if you get a sign that you're on the right path keep it going keep going 
keep going. There's definitely Amen. a reason. Um, and then another fun moment that I want to talk about. So she talks about her love for Christmas. And I yes. love, I literally adore that her love for Christmas comes from her uncles. Like, yep. <laughs> they know what the fuck's up. We've been through the trauma. We don't need this bullshit because she talks about how Christmas would always be ruined by her siblings arguing. It would always be a shit show. And she always hated it. She wanted to have the perfect Christmas. But then she would go to her uncles. They would make the most of it. Like, clap on to her, you know, diva-like behavior. She would pose. They would take pictures. Myron and Bert were their names. And... That was just very wholesome, and I think it just goes to show that in the most untraditional, if that's a word, of settings are the most wholesome and loving and caring and compassionate people, you know? Yeah. And also, too, that's the thing, like, the people that have always been the weirdest in my life have always been the most accepting and the most fun. And I... I'd like to not say weird because, and I'm not saying that you meant that as no, weird. no, no, no. Just yeah, yeah. like I guess, but not at the, the time, standards. it's very unconventional. It's not yeah. the standard, especially in the '70s, and Christmas, which is such a Christian and holier than thou holiday. This is where she finds the most most solace. You yeah. know? and I think it's also too of that notion of like this is a time of peace and harmony, and also just like like I personally don't identify as Christian anymore. However, mm. did I listen to Leslie Odom Jr.'s Christmas album last week in full? Absolutely. You know I while love I was Christmas. Stressed. I love the holidays, yes. It's just so, it's, especially to the holidays, it's just so nice to be like, this is a moment of just peace and be, and we can just mm. sit and listen to beautiful music by the campfire and just be. Like, yes. of course, some people, you know, have high standards for holiday things, but I think that notion of just like, this is a time where if you're extra, you can be extra and like no one's going to get mad at you. If you exactly. want to be simple and just sit by the fire, you can also do that. And that's totally fine. And again, this is adding to the list of people who see her. We have Maureen, Nana Reese, now her gunkles, people outside of her family yeah. that are giving her the attention, giving her the love and care that she needs. You know, she looked to them as a perfect family. Yeah. And um, I just thought that was cool. And then this girl decided to just drop Oh, when I was 22 years old and wrote All I Want for Christmas is You, I said, bitch. Literally. I'm here reading your so book young. crying. Don't fucking drag me like this. Like, and what am I doing at 22 years old? She Get was out of so here. young. I so said, young when she wrote All I Want for Christmas is You. Like, I didn't know that that was her song. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, she wrote that. I truly didn't. Really? I thought it was a cover. And you know what? That is why it's so fucking great. And that's just a testament to how good of a writer she is. She's that such people. A don't think that she wrote that song. I had a choir director that said, oh, she didn't write this song. I said, okay, believe what you want, but she did. And that just yeah. goes to show how much of a badass she is, that she could write such a timeless classic. And that's like another that. thing about this book that I really like, about how like the different snippets in her life, she also inserts the lyrics yes, that were inspired this is another by those thing. moments. Yes. And like fully understanding that connection too mm -hmm. is just in such a vulnerable way, I think is absolutely beautiful. It's and amazing. it's cool coming from a lamb because we have these <laughs> songs that we've, songs here and there, we've made our assumptions about her life, about her family. Okay, we understood this. But then there are so many things like that teddy bear I held at night and Bye Bye was about her father. Like yeah. little things like that. There are so many songs I was like, oh shit, I never thought of that. That's so cool. And um, she sings some of these songs on the audiobook, which is pretty neat. But yes, going back into her music and just seeing how real she is as a songwriter yeah. um, is very neat. One more thing I want to talk about 
is her encounters with racism. We have this chapter called yep. um, Coloring Outside the Lines. Mm-hmm. And I want to read this quote because this was very powerful for me. She says, and this is, this is at the beginning of the chapter. My first encounters with racism were like a first kiss in reverse. Each time a piece of my purity was ripped from my being. Left behind was a spreading stain, which seeped so deeply inside of me that to this day, I've never been able to completely scrub it out. She's right. <laughs> like she, yeah. I, she, honestly, the way she talks about racism is so spot on. Mm-hmm. Especially too, because even though I am a black woman, that element of being a daughter of immigrants and kind of being outside the black community in that sense, yes. I can relate to her and I, particularly that feeling of her just being like, what? Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Like, I don't understand what's happening because I personally growing up didn't really get it. Like, I didn't get how ingrained it was until I was I in mean, the public school system. you didn't have system. the language for it. You were a child. I was a know? child, but it also, too, it didn't affect I guess racism never directly affected me until I was okay. in public school. Okay. Hold on, my sister's singing. Can you hear her? <laughs> no, go off. She's literally having a concert <laughs> next door. Queen. Um, but, um, <laughs> but it didn't directly affect me until I was okay. in public school and just the microaggressions that people mm. have and constantly say, like, I would always hear growing up, like, oh, you're black, but you're not black, black. And it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? What does this mean? Exactly. What is the and root we, of whatever we see you're saying this to me in third grade? Happen a lot. I mean, especially with Mariah being biracial, she's like, "Well, you're not black enough." Oh, well, you're not white enough. I. And she's do like, people well, used what to the always fuck? be Can like, I just "Oh, like be? I'm blacker than you," and it's like, "Huh?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? There's a way to measure it. Yeah. Like I. She's the, the way she talks about racism. I really don't have any like other additional comments because she explains it so perfectly. Just how mm-hmm. ostracized, how ostracizing, and how hurtful it truly is, and how yeah. ingrained in society it is to the point that people don't even understand the effects of it and how society is constantly perpetuating it. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about this one scene that she paints because. I have to say, this brought me to tears, and it was just, so she talks about how being in preschool, she, for the day, they were given the assignment to draw a picture of your family, and she was so excited, she was drawing out her family, and she used, all she had was the peach and the brown crayon, there Mm -hmm. weren't any other shades. So she Been drew there. her siblings with the peach crayon. She drew her mother with the peach crayon and herself. And she pulled out the brown crayon to draw her father. And immediately, well, not immediately, one of the teachers comes over to check in on her progress. And she starts laughing. And she goes, oh, honey, you picked up the wrong crayon. And Mariah goes, no, I didn't. And then she starts laughing. And she looks over. And the group of teachers are in the back laughing. And there's just like a dead silence in the room. And she says says this one quote that just, this choked me up. She goes to say, They had no idea and no imagination to suspect that the light toast of my skin, 
my bigger-than-button nose, and the waves and ringlets in my hair were from, from my father, my handsome father, who was the color of warm maple syrup. His complexion was a crayon color they didn't have. Brown was as close to right as I could get. It was the teachers who had got it all wrong. But despite their cruel and unwarranted attack, they never apologized for the public humiliation, for their ignorance and immaturity, or for demoralizing a four-year-old girl during coloring time. Yeah. And she talks about, I thought, going into the mind of that four-year-old, she was like, in the moment, I, they didn't have any cookie-colored crayons. You know, she compared her sibling's color to a nutter butter. Mm-hmm. And I just found that interesting, you know, thinking in the mind of a child, they, that's all the language they have. And now we have these standards that adults set. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say. It just goes to show how caught up we are in our fucking ignorance. Yeah, and I think that actually reminds me of something that happened to me back in cheerleading. So my friend, she, her mom is black, and she's mm-hmm. honestly white passing, but, like, she's everything mixed into one. Like, truly, I have no idea what, how many different nationalities is running through her veins. Yeah. But, so her mom is black, and her mom would always pick us up from, you know, rehearsals and practices and stuff like that. So her mom came in, picked us up, and then this other girl on the squad was like, oh, Lyndon, your mom's here. And my friend, whose mom it actually was, was standing right next to me, and we both just stopped. And we were like, we didn't know what to say. And at this point, we weren't as young as Mariah. We were like in eighth grade, ninth grade, or something like that at the time. And just that, because I think, even though it didn't directly affect me, because I was kind of just like, no, that's not my mom. But I Mm -hmm. could tell just like how invalidating it was to my friend next to her. And I think that was one of the first moments that we had together where like it was clear that we were both like black women. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the sense like that was the first moment that like we could both directly. It wasn't the first moment, definitely. But like that moment specifically in that specific setting of cheerleading in a predominantly white school where we were both like, oh, no, we are yeah. black be even just because of that small little thing and like the fact that that's even stayed with me to this day considering how much i've repressed over the years just goes to show like how Those much of little a, microaggressions aren't so micro you constant know, they, microaggressions and just the way that people say it and think nothing of it and probably never think about it again even though it's like no that just rocked my world for the last 30 seconds and now i'm gonna need to process this for the rest of the day and -hmm. you're not even gonna think about it so the fact that she tried her best with the colors and then instantly they laughed and were like oh you got it wrong but it's like like, she picked up a green crayon like the fuck like it's just and even so even if she picked up a green crayon like why would you laugh at like a child's work like that and just completely dehumanize and invalidate her Mm -hmm. it's just and then lastly, yeah. we have this moment with her friend Becky. Um, and I think this goes to show, like, because I'm trying to go into Becky's point of view. She grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. They're like six years old. Yeah. You know, maybe she's never, in, she, well, clearly, you know, she's never interacted with a black person before because she hasn't been ex- exposed to people of different cultures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because our parents are so whitewashed. So we have this moment where 
Patricia is dropping off Mariah and her friend Becky at Alfred's house for a play date. And they walk up to the door and Alfred opens the door and is so nice, like, hi, Mariah. And immediately Becky breaks down into tears, crying, screaming. And this starts to show the pattern of neglect that we see from Patricia because Mm -hmm. immediately Patricia walks up to the door grabs Becky, brings her into the car, and leaves Mariah and her father there speechless. They sit there in astonishment and never talk of it again. Nothing's ever spoken of again. That's another thing. Everything's swept under the rug. And it's Mm -hmm. like Patricia could have taken that moment to calm her down, explain that it's her father, everything's okay, you know, use that as a moment, a teaching moment, but again, this is the 1970s. Who knows what if Becky went home and told her parents something, what would have happened? But, yeah. But still, like, that idea of, like, oh, I'm just not going to say anything. Like, that ended up yeah. kind of, like, it is a microaggression. Exactly. Uh, where, I'm like, not saying it's not. Of, it is. Instead of teaching this child, like, hey, what you're crying over it doesn't actually exist, you're, like, it's validating what the child is feeling in that moment by just not saying anything about it. Mm-hmm. And, and then Mariah and her father are just left there speechless. Yeah. So we'll see that further on coming from Patricia, moments of just really not stepping in and being a parent mm-hmm. and letting these traumatic things happen to Mariah, just the constant throwing her out into the water and letting her drown. And that's another thing, too. Which we'll see. Like, there are a lot of people out there that want to have a lot of wink wink white people out there that want to have i guess that idea of like you know having cute little light-skinned mixed babies but a lot of those same people literally fetishizing it but a lot of those same people are not willing to step up to the plate and do the work that they need to do to Mm -hmm. ensure that 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 baby that's going to come out like no matter what especially if you're like trying to have like a black biracial child like that child's still going to be black. In the eyes of society, that child is still going to be seen as black, no yeah. matter how light-skinned they are. And even and Mariah goes to, to show she explains the one-drop rule, you know? Exactly. So that's the whole thing. It's that idea of, oh, I want my light-skinned babies, but I'm not willing to put in the work to undo the systemic racism, mm-hmm. even within my own family and within my own community. You know yeah. what I mean? So. That is how far we've gotten. Do you have any other moments that you want to talk about? I was kind of leading the discussion. No, 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 no. You actually hit everything I wanted to talk about. But the fact that we're only like an eighth into the book so far. Yeah, we're halfway through the first part of Wayward Child. This is a lot to dissect. See, I told you, I told you, you, I could literally talk about every single chapter because it's so relevant and so... Oh, it's just such a life. And I think also the fact that she's like, what, 40 something now. And she's she's writing this book about the 70s and all the injustices that happened to her. But she's like alive and kicking and like doing the dance. This was not long ago. Like this was not long ago. This is as present as it could possibly get. And I'm, I'm just really happy that Mariah is as open and honest as she Me is with this book. too. And that she's I, not shying away from any particular topic. No. And now she even says, now it's so funny, she's like, and from now on, if anyone ever asks me a question, I'm going to say, refer to page 126. I'm not telling <laughs> you anymore. 
And amen to that. And I want to say another thing. I We get a glimpse of Mariah's humor. There are yeah. so many moments when things are put into italics or in quotes, like her in her head, like making these witty thoughts. And we come to find out that that's a coping mechanism that she uses. But um, there are a lot of la- funny moments, a lot of laughs in this book, yeah, like which the, I appreciate. The scene that you're just talking about with the little girl that started crying when she saw her dad, she literally was like, and yes, her name was actually yes! Becky. Yes. When I say I screamed when I read that, scandal? I was like, Mariah, <laughs> Mariah, you know She's the like, vibes. yes, her name is Becky. You know it's fucking Becky. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a great discussion. I really enjoyed this. If you're listening and you didn't read, hopefully this is a good motivation to read. We have so, like this Obviously, it isn't even half. But the nope. next few chapters, just diving into our family, we get to hear more about Patricia and her siblings. And there's so much more to unpack. I'm so excited. But I'm so glad we had this discussion. Me too. I if, like this corner. Yes, me too. If you guys have any insights that you found, DM us. Let us know. We'll talk about them next episode that you find along the way. Because I know we have a few people that are reading along with us. Oh, yay. And Yes. And that concludes this episode of Into It. This was so much fun. I had so much fun this episode. Yeah, me too. This was fun. Thank you. I missed you. You're welcome. I missed you too. Alrighty. We're going to be back next episode. And um, yeah, keep on keeping on. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>